Hey, come on in, come on in, and welcome to Entrepreneurs Can Party. Let me show you around. This is an entrepreneurship podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, creatives, and those aspiring to be so. The aim is to introduce you to inspiring, like-minded people who are doing what they love every single day and having so much fun in the process. You see, business can and should be fun. I'm your host, Scott Stockdale, and it's my job to tease out their habits, routines, successes, failures, favourite resources, books, etc, etc. All that good stuff. Alrighty, make yourself at home, grab yourself a drink, and let's get this party started. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 81 of Entrepreneurs Can Party. I'm your host, Scott. And on today's episode, I'm sharing with you some sleep optimization tips. These have come courtesy of Molly McLaughlin, who appeared in episode 78 of this very podcast, and it was very well received by so many of you. I've had many messages from, yeah, from a lot of you saying you found the episode really useful and you really like the tips. So I thought, you know what, I'll pick out some of the really key ones, or at least for me personally, that I got out of the episode with Molly, and I thought I'd share them in this very episode. So without further ado, hope you enjoy it, and here are a number of sleep optimization tips. Alrighty, so today's episode is all about optimizing your bedroom for sleep. Why am I doing an episode on this? Seems very random. The reason is I had a very interesting conversation with Molly McLaughlin, who is the founder of sleepisaskill.com, and she helps clients optimize their sleep. And actually, she's had a really tumultuous journey with sleep, and she has dedicated her life now to actually helping others get better night's sleep. So we had a really interesting conversation, and there was lots of gold that came out of that, so I'll provide a link to that episode in the show notes. Something that really jumped out at me is two in three people have regular sleep disturbances, and what that means is they get up in the middle of the night because they're either struggling with insomnia or They've got twitchy leg syndrome or shaky leg syndrome, I believe it's called. And I mean, that's just a smattering. There's all sorts of sleep disturbances, which I just wasn't aware of, but I have observed in other people. So that really, yeah, that really shocked me, that statistic. And I've been blessed that during my life, I've never really struggled with actually getting to sleep, but I can totally understand how difficult it must be if you are struggling to get to sleep, you know, if you are facing those long, quiet nights of, you know, hearing your clock ticking, just not being able to get this basic need that we all we all do need uh, fulfilled. So, I I say under, I understand. I can I don't truly understand, but I can certainly empathise with how difficult that must be. So. I thought I would share my tips around sleep and actually some of these were covered by Molly in the episode as well and I thought because I like I say I'm blessed that I can get generally speaking good night's sleep here are some of the the tips I have for you to also get a good night's sleep as well. So let's jump straight into them. Uh, There's no kind of particular order I'm going with these, these are literally just nine things I've jotted down which I do which I didn't necessarily realise were actually optimal for sleep, but having talked to Molly about this and actually understanding more about the process of what makes a good night's sleep, they do seem very uh, pertinent to it. Okay, tip number one. This is a very obvious one. 
don't go on your phone before you go to sleep. There's tons of research out there about how the blue light on your phone, and not just your phone to be fair, but other screens, you know, even a Kindle, they have that, yeah, the blue light which just keeps you awake. It disrupts what we call your circadian cycle. In other words, if we go back through human history, we as humans were adapted to our natural environment of the sunlight coming up in, in the morning, and as we were sleeping in caves, our bodies awoke because of that, and then uh, as night kind of came, we then adjusted and actually went to sleep. So, yeah, the circadian rhythm is all about how your body responds to those external stimulus of light and heat primarily. By actually turning your phone on, you're kind of disrupting that natural balance of the light you would normally have and it just sends that signal to your body that actually it's time to get up when obviously you want the reverse to be happening. You want to be trying to go to sleep. So just being really hyper aware of the fact that if you are on your phone before you go to sleep, it will likely disrupt that natural circadian rhythm. And that is one of the reasons you may be struggling to get to sleep. So something I do is I don't have my phone on at all an hour before I go to sleep. I just switch it off, put it on my desk, um, which is well away from my bed before I go to sleep, so I'm not tempted to turn to it in the middle of the night or anything like that. Really basic tip. And actually, all of these tips are going to seem very simple, but actually it is, as Molly talked about, it is the simple things which we overlook because we're looking for the fancy, complicated solutions. We should actually be sticking to the simple solutions. So that's tip number one. No phone an hour, at least an hour before you go to sleep. Tip number two, a similar vein this, try not to have anything to eat an hour before you go to sleep as well. So I should just stress, these are all things which are work for me and, you know, all our bodies are different. We all respond differently to these stimuluses, stimuli, but these work for me, so they might work for you as well. So yeah, no food an hour before sleep. The reason for this is our bodies will digest this food and actually, you know, if it's full of sugar, particularly the glucose in that sugar will make you feel more alert, more awake. I'm sure you've experienced this yourself when you eat loads of sweet, you get that sugar rush and it makes you feel super aware and super alert and that's not a great state to be in before you go to sleep. So I dare say there are some foods which are okay to eat before you go to sleep, but generally speaking, if you can avoid eating at least an hour before you go to sleep, that is optimal, in my eyes at least. So that's tip number two. Tip number three, so these ones, now we're kind of getting into the realm of things which I do, uh, particularly before I go to sleep, and you may or may not find these useful. I have three bottles of water next to my bed. Why do I do this? A few reasons. Firstly, I think it's good to not be dehydrated whilst you're asleep. So if you do feel that you need a sip of water during the night, you can just turn to the bottles of water very quickly. The other reason is actually, this is more relating to when I get up in the morning, I just down these these bottles of water, well not all of them, I down at least one of these bottles of water and these bottles of water just give you a reference point or about, about a litre or so of water. So I down that water as soon as I get up pretty much. So I swing my legs out of bed, down this water and that just kind of rehydrates you because you lose an incredible amount of water whilst you're asleep, which is, you know, through breathing, through uh, sweating, things like that. So really important to rehydrate once you wake up. 
not particularly related, I guess you might say, to actually trying to get to sleep, but having those bottles of water, obviously when you're thirsty during the night, instead of having to go downstairs to get something to drink, you can just drink your water there and then. So that's tip number three. Tip number four, again, fairly obvious one this, have some blackout curtains in your room. I've been there before when I've only had blinds and, you know, haven't had blackout curtains and it just makes it very difficult, I find, to get to sleep. Again, this kind of links back to the circadian rhythm I talked about in tip number one when you have your phone on before you go to sleep and same deal here. If you have light pouring into your room before you're trying to before you try to go to sleep, it just disrupts that circadian rhythm and your body isn't sure, you know, should it be trying to get to sleep right now? Should it be trying to wake up right now? It gets very confused. So you want to try and make it as black and white as possible that getting to sleep is the thing you want to be doing right now. So that's tip number four, quite an obvious one. Get some blackout curtains if you can, or failing that, put up some towels in front of your windows just to try and make your room as dark as possible. So that's tip number four. Tip number five, again this links to the circadian rhythm, but it's really important, I think. Try to make your room as cool as possible. So Molly talks about this in the episode, where ideally you want your room to be two to three degrees lower than what it would be in the rest of your house. So for example, if you're used to your house or flat being around 20 degrees, you want to try and make your room at least 16 to 17 degrees or if you're used to having a slightly colder house, say 16, 17 degrees, then try to make your bedroom 14, 15 degrees. How do you do this? Well, something I do, much to my parents' disgust, is when I'm at home, I don't have my bedroom radiator switched on at all. It's always switched off, even in the winter. And it just means that, yeah, my room never gets as warm as the rest of my house, which is just a small thing you can do. I guess the other thing you can do is you could put fans up in your room, you know, if you're if it's particularly hot in the in the summer say, then if you can put fans in your room that make it a little bit cooler, that will help you get to sleep because you're we're used to again kind of going through human evolution. We were used to as cavemen living in spaces which were particularly cold, you know, living on rocks in caves, things which weren't particularly warm. And it's only in more recent times where we've got lots of blankets, we've got lots of quilts, we've got lots of cushions, which make it warmer. And obviously central heating as well, which make it warmer. They're not really what we're used to as humans. So if we can kind of get back to that natural state of a little bit cooler, that will help your circadian rhythm feel well adapted to sleep. So that's tip number five. Tip number six. Try to read a little bit before you go to sleep. And more specifically, not non-fiction. Why do I say that? So yeah, I have a couple of fiction books laid next to my bed on my bedside table, and I typically pick one of these up before I go to but go to sleep and you know do some reading. And I say not non-fiction because what I've found is when I read non-fiction books, which you know, books where you are actively learning that <laughs> sets your brain in overdrive, or at least it sets my brain in overdrive, and I start to really think about the concepts and ideas in these books, and again, that isn't really optimal to sleep. However, by reading fiction, say like an adventure book, or particularly Philip Pullman books are great for this, or any sort of crime thriller books, then yeah, that will make it 
easier I found to to get to sleep. If you want to kind of take it to the extreme, get a really boring book, <laughs> say a book by Dickens, which is just really hard to read. And because it's so difficult to read, your brain will just become more and more sleepy. And actually, that's a really good thing for when you're trying to get to sleep. So, yeah, a really boring book does the job, but failing that, then a book that is fiction, I find to be particularly useful. At the moment, I'm rereading Catcher in the Rye, which is one of my favourite books of all time. And, you know, you don't have to think about that too much. And it's quite an easy read. So that is uh, something to, to bear in mind as well. So that's tip number six. Have a book to read before you go to sleep. Tip number seven, speed journaling before you go to sleep. This is something I do as well. So just to give you an idea of my nighttime routine, or at least once I'm in bed, I will yeah, open up my journal book, which is just a plain, a plain book with no lines in it, and it's just me to speed write in. And I've talked about this in a previous episode, which I'll link to in the show notes, about how to actually speed journal. And it is essentially just writing down whatever pops into your head. So, you know, it, there's no structure to it. Some days I write a few pages, other days it's just a paragraph. No pressure on yourself because no one has to read this journal. It is just for you. And that process of writing your thoughts, doing a brain dump on the page, really helps to take things off your mind and help you kind of fall into sleep, which is what we're looking for here. So really useful. Just on that as well, I like to write down three things I'm grateful for every single night. And again, that kind of just makes you feel a little more settled before you get to sleep. It's a really kind of therapeutic feeling by writing three things you are grateful for. So I definitely recommend that as well as part of the journaling process. Tip number eight, and this is something I've done by accident, but if you have a bedside lamp or bedside light, try to have a dark light in that light. What do I mean? I've phrased that terribly. Essentially, if you've got a bedside light, rather than having a fluorescent yellow light or bright light, try to fill it with like a with a red bulb, i.e. something which is a bit darker. Molly talked about this in the episode, and the reason for this is having a softer, darker light is just more forthcoming for sleep. Kind of again, linking back to that circadian rhythm, which I'm sure you're appreciating at the moment is super important. Just incidentally, if you're looking to find out more information about the circadian rhythm, there is a fantastic book by Robert Thayer, I believe, called The Origins of Moods, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. And this talks about things you can do to improve your mood. And actually, the circadian rhythm plays a massive part in that as well. So it is just an incredible system our bodies have developed and you can learn more about it in the origins of moods which like i say i'll provide a link to in the show notes so that's tip number eight have a soft light i.e like a, a dark light red light for your bedroom finally my final tip for you today tip number nine is to do with actually what you put on your face so a couple of things here i found really useful i don't really do these as much anymore but i have certainly done them in the past and last couple of years first of those is wearing a sleep mask this can be really inexpensive just getting them on off amazon or in a, a supermarket usually like in the travel stands that you see you know where people have got where you've got like uh, travel pillows and yeah ear defenders things like that Having a sleep mask can be really useful, particularly if it's light, you know, if it's in the summer. And actually, even if you've got blackout curtains, some light can stream in. 
So yeah, having a sleep mask can be really useful. Just on this, it can feel really strange and uncomfortable to begin with, but it does get easier with time. And ideally you want a sleep mask which is soft. I know that sounds really obvious, but you don't want one which has got lots of wires on it or anything that's uncomfortable. Having one which is just a simple, very one strap, possibly sleep mask, which you can just put on your face, uh, stays in place, which is important as well, and helps you get a good night's sleep. So that can be useful. Just on this, uh, (laughs) this is really embarrassing, but back when I was actually trained to be a prison officer and I was staying in Ipswich, which is a, a small town in south of England, I was, yeah, had my sleep mask as usual and I put it on before I went to sleep, but then it got lost. I think it went down the side of the bed and because the bed was kind of constructed in a way where you couldn't move it, it was just entirely fixed, I couldn't physically get to my sleep mask. I saw it down the side of my bed, but I just couldn't reach it with my hand. And this really stressed me out because I was so dependent on my sleep mask at the time, which is actually why, incidentally, I now try not to use my sleep mask as much because this night it it traumatised me. Well, that was a bit extreme. It didn't really traumatise me, but it certainly disrupted that night's sleep for me. And I had to revert to using a a tie, (laughs) just like a tie you'd wear with a suit. I wrapped it around my head like a bandana and uh, it did the job for that night, but very uncomfortable, but it did at least block out the light. Safe to say a sleep mask can be important, but just be aware to try not to become too dependent on it if you do decide to use one. So that's a sleep mask. And the other thing kind of relating to things you can put on your face or in your ears, there's the clue, earplugs. Really, really inexpensive, but they can be really useful as well. It goes without saying, particularly if it's noisy outside, just having really cheap earplugs, you know, really those foam ones you can get for like a couple of quid from uh, Amazon or uh, again from a supermarket. Yeah, really small, inexpensive thing which will help you get sleep if it's noisy outside. Thinking particularly here, university students, you know, if you're in halls at the moment, then this is something I certainly experienced. Always parties going on. And if you've got lectures in the morning you need to get up for, you want a good night's sleep. So having earplugs can be really useful for that as well. Just to very quickly recap those. Tip number one, no phone an hour before you go to sleep. Tip number two, no food an hour before sleep. Tip number three, have lots of bottles of water beside your bed before you go to sleep. Tip number four, get some blackout curtains if you can. Tip number five, if you can make your bedroom at least a couple of degrees cooler than the rest of your house, that will help your circadian rhythm. Tip number six, reading of fiction before you go to sleep is very beneficial. Tip number seven, journaling, speed journaling, also very useful to get all that gunk out your head to ease your mind into that sleep cycle. Tip number eight, a soft light for your bedside lamp. Uh, Red light, particularly useful. And then the final tip, tip number nine, if you can use a sleep mask and earplugs but don't become dependent on them for a better night's sleep, that is also very useful. I hope you have found these tips useful. If you have any others that you would like to share with me, I would love, love to hear them. So you can find me on Instagram at Entrepreneurs Can Party or LinkedIn, Scott Stockdale. Or you can email me, scott.entrepreneurscomparty.com and do get in touch. I would love to hear your tips. I hope, like I say, I hope you found this episode useful. And until next time, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you may be doing. Do take care. 
Hey, hey, it's only me again. And before you go, I've got a very quick question for you. Would you like to make 2020 your best year yet? Okay, so hopefully that's a no-brainer. And to help you to the same, I've put together my annual blueprint and strategic life plan, which is totally free for you to download today. It's broken down into nine sections and features 96 thought-provoking questions, all of which are aimed to seek clarity about the things you want and to help you make that happen. If you'd like to get your hands on my free 25-page document, visit scottstockdale.co.uk. That's scottstockdale.co.uk.